So ahead of his testimonial on Sunday against a Celtic's great side featuring the likes of Lubo Moravchik, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the man himself, Chris Doolan, to reflect upon a brilliant and eventful 10 years at Partick Thistle. First of all, Chris, thank you very much for taking the time out to come in this afternoon. No problem, thanks for having me. I'm also joined by Graham Wilson, who is heading up the testimonial committee, would I say? Heading up, one of the committee. The member of the committee who's here today. So you can talk a little bit about Sunday's event and other events that are going to come after that, just briefly before we start with Chris. No bother. Well, we've obviously um, got the game coming up on Sunday uh, at four o'clock. Um, on your way up to the stadium, we'll be having the uh, chosen chariot of the Beatson. So on your way up to to the the, the stadium, uh, on your way up, there'll be the yellow buckets about there. So any contributions towards uh, the Beatson uh, will go direct to the Beatson. Um, after you get through there, there'll be limited edition programmes which have got content in them from players from Chris's past uh, uh, and, and present just now and some fans um, that have known Chris for a long time. Uh, a lot of old pictures uh, it's, uh, and, and a great piece by Graham McRoberts um, in it, uh, and Tom Hosey. So a fantastic programme and a great keepsake. Um, we have limited edition spaces left at the hospitality. Very few. We're, we're talking nearly single figures now. Um, at the hospitality, there'll be a few limited edition items that nobody else will be able to get their hands on. And then we got on with the game. Uh, at the game itself, I'm excited about it. You know, it's part of the team that are playing, our team, the team that I watched. Um, your Squiddies, your Lawless... You know, you're a Donald, you're Dills, you know, it's names that just I associate with the, the best team that I've seen at Thistle. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, Chris is here. We're going to kind of just spend, well, we don't know how long it's going to go on. We'll talk a little bit about his 10 years looking back from, our, from the start to the finish because he's not really had the chance really to do that. So, I suppose the first place we start is um, joining the club back in January 2009. It was your, funnily enough, it's your current manager, Ian McCall, that picked you up and put you on trial first from the, the famous junior side, Auckland Lake Tal. But how did that all come about? When did you first hear of Thistle's interest? Um, I actually came in on trial, uh, I think it was October. Um, I came in, I played three trial games. I think I was on, I was on trial for about three months. <laughs> <laughs> the longest trial spell ever. Um, I came in in October and I played a trial game against Clyde and I scored. Um, I then played a trial game the next week, I think it was, against Motherwell and scored again. And then we played against Queen's Park and scored twice. Um, so straight away after had no those kind of games, <laughs> um, Ian McCall had spoke to me and had said, you know, hang off from playing again at Auckland Lake Talbot because when the January window opens, I'll definitely be signing you. Um, so for then on, I, I kind of knew I was coming in. Um, so I had that excitement already that, you know, it, was, it wasn't even the end of October yet. Uh, and I kind of knew I was coming to full-time football in January. So it was a case I had a couple of months to just work hard to make sure that when the time came in January that I was ready to go. It's also a move you can't really turn down going from junior football to Partick Thistle, but I presume obviously you're not full-time when you're at Auckland Lake Talbot and you had another job. Was there anything that kind of complicated that you have to think about going full-time to your other career or just, look, I'm, I've always wanted to be a footballer and I've got a chance to be a full-time footballer? Yeah, I've of course. You know, it was a, a no-brainer. Um, I was actually coaching kids football at the time uh, for Kilmarnock. I was out and about at the schools and you know, football centres taking like small kids from five years old to 18 and um, it, it, it was a no-brainer in terms of, you know, you've got a chance here now to go and turn professional and make a living and have a, re a, really, a very good lifestyle, really, um, from playing football. So, for that point of view, it was it was a no-brainer decision. How did you find the step-up, though? Because you're going from 
junior football to first division and people always probably think about you're playing against a high level of opponent but also every day in training you'll be playing against full time players who are fitter and probably play at a higher level did you find that it took a time to acclimatise to not just playing but also the training yeah of course I mean it's very demanding um, you, you see a lot of younger players when they when they step up uh, to first team they do struggle sometimes you know with that physical part luckily for me I think even before I came in to, to Thistle I had it in my head that I was going to turn professional so I was kind of living my life the way a professional would live their life um, so for that point of view I dealt with it pretty well um, and I was more than capable of handling the, the physical side of things and the, and the training the demands that are put on your body um, but it, it can be difficult you know and it's, it is important I think especially for younger players to understand that um, there is a big jump from you know playing at a lower level or playing academy football um, to playing first team football and a lot of that's to do with the physical demands not just to do with your talent was there any other clubs that were kind of speaking to you at the time? Could this be a testimonial coming up for, say, another team? Or St Mirren or Livy, was there any other teams that were yeah, interested Yeah, um, I think when I played that um, game against Motherwell, Jim Jeffries was the Kamala manager, and he'd been to watch me two or three times, and he was at that game as well. And they contacted me straight after the game um, to, to go to Kamala's training. And I think that was maybe the second or third time they had wanted me to come in and it had kind of fallen through for different reasons but he was really on my on my case at that point um, but you know on the other hand I had already spoke to Ian McCall um, and I kind of knew at that point he was going to make me an offer and, and, and I wanted to be loyal to him because he had been good with me um, and he'd been up front with me so I didn't want to risk it that you know I jumped ship to another another club um, and I'm glad you know that I, I stayed and um, you know I played that next game against Queen's Park and scored a couple of goals and then for then on I knew I was going to be at the club and um, you know I, I just went from strength to strength And your debut came I think a day after you officially signed it was obviously a disappointing final loss against Inverness but it must be an extremely proud moment for yourself and your family and one you must still cherish as one of the best in your career Yeah it was brilliant um, as you say it wasn't a, a great result um, a, lo- a long way to travel but um, from my point of view, it was it was excellent because you know just to get on the pitch, I think I came on for twenty minutes. Um, we were ready getting beat, but from from my point of view, it was all about just getting on the pitch um, and hoping that I'd get a chance to score. Um, another thing with, with that trip was that I was room sharing with Alan Archibald, right. and I think one of the things with, with Ian McCall was he, he put Archie was such a role model to everybody around the club, um, and because I was the new boy that came in and he wanted to room up with, with Archie so that you could see you know, and you see up close just how these guys prepare for, for big games um, so f- from my point of view it was great just to see on an overnight stay just, just how a, a top professional like Archie goes about things We talked um, a bit about Archie even back then you'd only been in the club a matter of months and weeks obviously weeks but months on trial could you tell at that point that Archie was going to go on and be a manager is that something you could sense or did you just get that with players generally who you've been around in your career? No, I think you, you could see it with Archie. Um, I think he, had, he always had the, the headset on, on going to coaching or management one way or another. Um, and I think everybody around the club has so much respect for him that you know it was pretty obvious that at some point he was going to take over the club and um, he would get the massive backing of everybody around the place. Um, and even as players, you know, it's probably really difficult to become a player and then the next day become the manager of that, that team. Um, but to be fair to Archie, he, he made it, that jump 
very, very quickly and, and very seamlessly. And again, it's a, a, to do with people respect him in the dressing room and then they want to play for him. Um, and I think that was a massive part of when he became the manager at the club that you know everybody was falling over themselves to help, um, and rightly so. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, but your first goal, I think it was against Queen's, do you still remember that? Was that a good goal? Was that a it, it was a diving a header. <laughs> it was a goal. Um, it was a diving header. It was Gary Harkin's free kick. And I've made some space in the middle of the box. And it was a diving header, which, I mean, I've scored a few in my head since. Um, but, you know, I was given a lot of space in the box. I managed to put it away. But I don't think there's ever a feeling that to score your first professional goal, um, I think you'll always remember, whether it was a sclaffer in the back of the net or a 30-yard rocket, I think you'll always remember that first goal. And, and I'm no different. Speaking about Jeebsy there, what a player. I was one that I always like to watch as a Fissel fan and I think he's injured at the moment, but even when he's getting on a bit, he's got so much quality on the ball and just he's almost like a player from South America playing in the Scottish leagues. He must be someone you enjoy playing with. Yeah, he was brilliant I and mean, he still is, you know, he's, and he's a boy himself because he can just keep a hold of it for so long. But he, he's tremendous, you know, and I don't think he'll ever lose that that ability with his feet. Um, but he's a great guy as well to have around, and um, you know he's, he's still doing it. Obviously, he's out injured just now, but hopefully, he gets back fully fit soon. How did the rest of your first season uh, pan out? Did it kind of go as expected, or obviously you're kind of living the dream being a full-time player playing previously at junior? But everything you kind of imagined it to be, or was it maybe more difficult? Um, I think well, when I came in in January, from there till the summer, um, I played in most games. You know, I came in, I scored five goals in ten games, um, which for somebody just in the door from such a jump is a good return um, but I remember speaking to McCall and he he spoke to me about not wanting people to rely on me um, simply because I was just in the door and I'd hit the ground running by scoring goals but he didn't want people to around the, the club to start relying on me because I was young at the time um, which looking back I think is probably the right way to, to man manage people coming into the next season um, again I found myself probably on the bench a lot. I was playing 20 minutes here and there. Scored a few goals, but I, I was struggling to break in um, and nail down a starting place. Um, and again, I, I spoke to the manager, or he spoke to me, sorry, about going out on loan. Um, and it was a kind of months emergency loan. You went to Clyde, didn't you? Yep, went to Clyde. And it was literally just about you know making sure I was playing 90 minutes. Obviously, um, Fissel and Clyde are historically rivals. Not really. Game. You can probably come in here. It's not just really... laughing at his performance at Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? I remember him leaving to go to Clyde because I remember when he came and, and I don't think you mind me saying this. I'm like, who? What? What? What's happened here? Who's this guy? And the pressure that must have been on him to perform because he had came for the junior ranks. You know, must have been quite quite intense. And to have the, you know, I never realised that it was five goals in ten games, but to have that just shows a testament to, to how dedicated he had became, you know, because five goals in ten games coming for the junior ranks is, is pretty impressive. But then what wasn't he certainly as impressive was his performances at Clyde. <laughs> I know a couple of Clyde fans. And, um, <laughs> I don't think I'd have shot in the Clyde. I don't think I'd have shot in the Clyde. I put it that way. <laughs> so you're an agent and you're actually a secret agent with Clyde. I'm trying to make sure they went down. No, I'm only joking, that didn't actually happen. But Did you get any stick? Because like, like I just said, they're Fistle and Clyde are kind of historically a little bit rivals and there was Airdrie at the time and stuff like that. There's no social media then, so you probably didn't get a wee bit of stick here and there, but the fans tough on you because you came from Fistle. I mean, I, I don't think so. Um, not that I heard anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, it was one... It was 
Clyde were struggling at that point, um, and it was a, it was tough. It was a it was a tough season for them. Um, but getting stick, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that was. Maybe if I'd been playing for Thistle against Clyde, you would get some stick at that point. But I think teams t- generally tend to accept players that are brought into the club and, and try and give them the best support they possibly can. See, when you came from junior and then you went to the first division and dropped back down to Clyde, and that kind of maybe gave you a bit more motivation that certainly knew that you wanted to go back play that high level that's not really where you wanted to be playing yeah and I think that that's a key thing you know and again to, to younger players that's what I would stress to them that sometimes you're sent out and loan as a, as a wake up call um, to realise your potential and to realise just how hard you have to work to to get back to where you should be or where you want to be and, and from my point of view I went from training full time now and, and being around the first team and all of a sudden I was back to part time um, a couple of nights a week, taking your own kit home and washing it, things like that, just simple things. Mm-hmm. But it, it really, really makes you dig in um, and grow up because you, you you may be good enough technically and have lots of talent, but talent can only take you so far. Um, you've got to be willing to do a lot of the other kind of work away from the game and away from the pitch, um, which I was fully intent on doing, um, to make sure that when you are called back, to your, your parent club that you go back there and, and give it everything You speak about that because obviously when you played junior you probably found boys that maybe out for a few beers here and there and probably didn't weren't as dedicated as yourself so do you find it was you'd like being in that environment where people people maybe didn't do that as much as you, as you did in the junior game? Yeah I think it probably suited me better to be in amongst you know, full time professionals um, who, who, who that is their job um, you know, and, and they treat it like that because people are dependent on them um, making money making um, bonuses, whatever it is, so life becomes a wee bit more um, professional around football. Um, and you know, from, from my point of view, I was desperate to do well, and, and I was so desperate just to get that chance. And and I was also ready to prove that once I got that chance, that I would take it, um, regardless of who gave me that chance. And luckily for me, it, it was Thistle, and hopefully I repaid that as well. Game will probably remember this one, and I'm, I'm crediting Ross and this, but in Twitter, I'm not sure if this is exactly true, but I believe today is the 10th anniversary of a late overhead kick against Rafe Rovers. Remember that goal? I remember that goal, yeah. I believe it is the 10th anniversary Ten today years of that goal. 10 years ago, I cannot believe that. It makes you feel old, doesn't you're it, You're old, man. <laughs> aye. Jesus. Aye, that was, aye. So I don't think you've done many of them, have you? No, I've tried a few. I think that was the only one that went in the back of the net. One of the things I would say is every, every time, you know... You see it in a... Uh, some clubs don't see it that much. In a, a, in a lifetime, you, you get a player that fits a club, you know, and the club fits the player. And and, and we we never just did one. I mean, we had a few of them at the roundabout the, the same time. We had Dills, Squiddy, Archie. You know, all these guys seemed to fit the club. Before it, we had Lambie. So we've had, mm-hmm. we've had quite a gravy chain of the people that the club fits them and they... You know they perform at the highest level when they were when they were with us, particularly in the, in the case of Dules, You know, to score the amount of goals that he did, and in the leagues that we were in, you know, we were through every single league pretty much with Dules, So, aye, it's um, it's some return, and uh, sometimes you knew it was a fit after the first you know few games that when he came back the Clyde, you knew there was a fit there. Just a shame he's still not there, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll go into that later, but we'll just, I think the Zara goal towards the end of the season was a was a late winner against Queen of the South. Yeah, that was as well. that was when I was just called back. Um, Ian McCall still talks about that goal actually, <laughs> um, simply because I was literally just called back the week before, um, and he brought me on, and I think that was the 93rd minute. It was the last touch of the ball to curl it in the top corner for 20 yards. Um, I don't think it changed anything 
standings in the in the league. But I think from my point of view, it, it showed that you know I can finish from from anywhere all, all across the box, inside the box, outside the box, I could finish. Um, and for then on, you know, the next season. I came back and obviously started scoring plenty of goals every year. Next season was probably a breakthrough season. I think you finished top scorer with 18 goals. But just before then, you initially signed that 18-1 contract, so that, that must have came towards the end of the 09-10 season. So what happened? Did they offer you a new deal? And do you always think you were going to get that? Because obviously you'd been out and loan at Clyde, so you must have, future might have mustered up in the air a little bit. Yeah, no, again, I mean, the manager was good with me at the time. Um, he sort of laid out the plans to me. Um, so I knew when I was going on, out on loan, there was going to be a future for me at the club as long as, you know, I could come back and prove that I deserved to be to be playing, um, which I did. Um, but, yeah, I did get my, my contract was extended um, near the end of that season. Um, and then from then on, I don't think it ever, ever really lapsed. I don't think it ever ran out. It was literally always renewed pretty quickly um, to make sure that you know my, my contract was always covered and um, I always had you know six months, a year on my contract from then on. That season, Ian, a great season for yourself, but Ian obviously left the club and he's someone who's currently now he's still your manager and someone's also had a great influence on your career. Well, I asked Graham, because I think Ian McCall was a fantastic manager for Fissel and I actually think... Mullen Neil McCullers to the mass, but I would not be surprised if one day in the future he came back to support us. I know he stays in the West End and he still speaks glowingly of the, of the club. I'd go as far as saying is I do not think the club would have had the run that it had towards the SPFL and into the SPFL without Ian McCall. I think he was the... He put the groundwork in, he put the foundations into the way that, that, that Thistle were going to eventually end up playing you know, through Jackie and, 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 and Archie's time. So I think without McCall doing what he done, I don't think, well, just my own opinion, is I don't think we would have got into the position that we got in because he seemed to get the best out of the guys that were there and then these guys had that mentality to, you know, through the next, uh, the next few managers that came along. So, yeah, he, he was, I, I would love to see him back one day. He left Sid and Jackie got the Jackie McNamara, Simon Donnelly got the, the job until the end of the season. They're obviously quite young and they played with Simon and you mentioned to me earlier that he's probably one of your favourite strike partners you've ever played with. Yeah, he was. Um, I mean, as a player, I'd, as a fit for me, um, a bit like Chris Erskine, I think if you're a kind of out-and-out goal scorer, you, you've got to have guys who are clever round about you, who can pick you out in and around the box. You know, There's no point making runs into areas to score goals if you can't find you with the ball. Um, and for me, Erskine, Simon Donnelly were, were just two of the best that I've ever played with, simply because they had that wee trick, that wee ability to, to find you with, with something that other people just can't see, um, whereas I could see it coming. Um, and it was up to me, I just run into spaces and look over my shoulder and, and the ball would be coming. And I remember actually speaking to Sid no long after I came to the, game, uh, came to the club, before a game, and he said, we're, we're playing two up front, I mean, Sid, we're up front. And he said, when I drop in to number 10 and pick the ball up, don't don't watch for my first touch, don't watch where I go, just turn and run towards the goals. The ball will be there. And I kind of thought, it's a big statement to make. Like, I'm not sure if we could do that. Anyway, first 10 minutes, as soon as he dropped in, I, I turned my back <laughs> and I literally, I never even looked at him, I just sprinted towards the goals and literally looked over my shoulder and the ball was sailing towards me. And that straight away I just thought, you know, this guy can seriously pick passes. And then a half a dozen times later after that, that first one, he just kept doing it and doing it. And they were threading balls through here and everywhere. <laughs> and I think in terms of being an attacking team, and at that time we wanted, we and McCall, we wanted to get forward and score goals, you need these kind of guys in your team. 
um, and then Erskine as well, you know, and they just have an ability to see things that other people just can't see, and Sid was great at it. How do you like his, his coaches? Also, relatively new to that at that point in the 11 12 season, you kind of finished sixth in the league and I think he scored 13 goals in uh, 33 games in the league. Did you see them kind of develop as managers as you went on? Because all the players must have had a massive amount of respect for, for both of them for what they'd done in their careers up to that point. Yeah, of course. And I think in football, you earn respect. You know, no, no one gives you nothing in football. They'll take it away quicker than they'll give it to you. Um, a bit like Archie, you know, he, he had the respect of, and still does, the respect of everybody around the club. Um, and I think you, you have to earn that. Um, so, and Jackie and, and, and Sid got that respect, you know. And again, like I said, it's, it's difficult probably to be, be a player one day and be the manager the next day of the same group of players. Um, but again, you have to have that respect, otherwise it just won't work. And um, they certainly got it, and so did Archie. What are your kind of views on, on Donnelly and McNamara? Because when they, when they left the club, there was a lot of criticism thrown their way, but they moved to... And maybe because they were halfway through a journey, really, because they were doing well in the league and they didn't see it out. But at the same time, Dungeon is a massive club. They had some excellent players at the time, and there was also financial restrictions at the time. If I saw listening to Sid on Cy Ferry, he mentioned that Jackie had to put his hand in his pocket to pay for things sometimes. So you can maybe... Looking back, without the the passion, the Fissel fan, in hindsight, understand it a little bit. I hugely understand it. I mean, I, I, at the time, I didn't. Probably, it was <laughs> only just recently happened when I moved jobs. Yeah. And I moved jobs for the potential of the new job. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, that's no different from a football manager. You know, that's he sees more potential. As maybe right, they were getting bankrolled under United and and went to see. You know, he thought it was a bigger opportunity at the time, and and at the time I, I held it against it. And then there was obviously the bad press that came out with the, with the court stuff, and you know it was just a horrible situation. But I think that's got to be put. I'll be honest, see just now in that testimonial, Jackie McNamara has has really helped us. Um, you know, get the the Celtic legends teams together. So he still got a you know he still likes the, uh, loves the place, and and is still willing to to, to do stuff for Partick Thistle. I mean, he could have quite easily turned around and said no to us. Um, Celtic uh, legends were our first option, and, and he didn't. And he's helped us. You know, it was him that was influential in getting his Lubo Moravchik over. So people will, you know, everybody's I see it on on social media, and all oh, we will boo him, or we won't. And I, for one, certainly won't be. I have booed him. I'm not going to sit here and lie. But I now I've, I've got a newfound respect for the guy because at the end of the day, he's seen something rightly or wrongly. He's seen something that he thought was a better opportunity than what he was in just now. And anybody in their right mind would go for a better opportunity I certainly would I think around the time that a lot of Thistle players ones that the fans love seemed to go to Dungeon United there was Jackie Sid uh, Squiddy went later Archie went so maybe it was a bit hard to take Pakes went as well didn't he yep. Mm-hmm. yep see when he did leave the club obviously this is the following season 11-12 he finished and he was sick from the league like we said and, but he, they did seem to bring in a lot of players who maybe needed their second chance in football, your Lawlesses, your Donalds, your Ross Forbes and stuff like that. Do you feel when these players came in they're all around a similar age, is there a real hunger and desire for them to go and prove themselves and that's maybe what made Fissel so successful the following season? Yeah, it was it was obvious, um, very obvious. That I think one of the, the things Jackie's very, very good at is spotting players. Um, and at that point, you know, we brought in a lot of players who had been rejected at, at bigger clubs, much bigger clubs than, than Thistle. But sim- not for being not good enough, just being surplus to requirements, you know. And and again, going back to the age, they, they thought they were too young, and at you know at that point, 
we, we proved that we could go on and win the league. We, we had a group of young players with hunger um, all over them from back to front. Um, we had a lot of hungry players desperate to prove things, and I think that's important. You know, through, Throughout squads, you, you have to have players who... Have a pro- have a point to prove, um, not only to themselves, but you know the, their friends, their families, the crowd, anything, everything. They, they should have something to prove, and then we certainly had a, a team full of that, and it shows just how successful it can it can be. So moving on to next season, when they left the club, what was the kind of feeling in the dressing room? Were people kind of worried that the momentum might have stopped? Was that, was that concerns there? Because certainly amongst the fans, Graham can maybe speak to us as well, probably a lot of the resentment towards them both was the fact that they were doing such a good job and I saw fans probably worried, is this like going to come to a stop now? I think there's a lot of nerves. I certainly know that, because eh? at the time we were at a, such a... We had, we had went in a wee, not such a good run. Uh, you know, we were starting to stutter a bit and everybody was getting nervous about, you know, what was just about to happen. And then obviously when... Uh, when they left, it was nerves. You know, when you get nervous, you lash out, and, you, and and there's some reaction that was over the top. Um, but I think, um, I think to be honest, it was more of the after effect. I know everybody was really annoyed when they did leave, but it was more the the, the stuff that went on after between the club and and Jackie, because um, Archie had came in and obviously needed to to get performances to get us up. So I think yeah, it was more nerves than actually being. I know, because we've had players that have left in the past to go to Dundee United and haven't been... Some of them have, but some of them haven't. Um, like Erskine obviously went up there and nobody really vilified him and he got a bit of abuse, but nothing compared to what Jackie and Sid got. Is that something we talked about in the change room and how the players felt? Was there a bit of nerves there from the players as well that they'd done so well and you didn't obviously want to see them go? Yeah, and I remember one of the days actually sitting at lunch when we were waiting to find out exactly... What, what was happening and I remember everybody talking that they were hoping Archie gets a job um, simply again because we wanted him to take the job we knew he wanted the job and we were all willing uh, right behind him hoping that he would get the job um, because again we wanted somebody there who knew the club inside out and I think that's when you get the best out of people but I do remember that they sort of the nerves I can understand the nerves because we were doing well at that time and it's probably more worry and panic about whether you know is our our season going to come to a, a crashing halt here. Um, but for our point of view as players, we were confident if, if Archie got the job that you know we would all rally behind him uh, and prove everyone that they made the right appointment by bringing somebody like a legend like Archie to the, the manager's seat. I remember it vividly as well. So they, they came in, I think uh, Sid and Jackie left about January. And Archie came in on an interim basis and it took ages to appoint him. It seemed like, I think it was March, yep. but he was doing really well. I always remember that period of time, I think our away form wasn't as good as our home form, but when Archie came yeah, in, right. maybe added a bit of that defensive resoluteness and mm-hmm. seemed to improve that. Was that something that he, when he came in, he, he discussed? Yeah, and I, I think that was just the way he was at that time. Um, I think he's very, very good at term, in terms of identifying... Uh, what was going wrong, it, it, not so much going wrong, but identifying weaknesses in, in the squad. Um, and again, he knows, he knows the club inside out, so I think that was where, from your point of view, we knew if he got the job, he already knows us as people, he knew us as players. We're not having to prove ourselves to a new guy, um, and that would keep the continuity. And, and as players, we, we just hoped that he would get the job. And as you say, I mean, it, it went on and on for <laughs> a long time, but it was it, it, away from home, our form wasn't great. Uh, and actually, you know, done great for the end to the end of the season and obviously got his promotion with him. 
they also brought in Shaggy. You know, brought in big parts, which I thought was a huge step, and I thought that was a big what thing. Player, what player he was? Uh, you know, a men's player, and, and again another another guy that, that the Thistle fans knew. So you know that transition um, was a bit more easy because you had a legend. Uh, well, you had two legends. You know, Scott Patterson, who was was a men's with us, and then you had Archie, who had that leadership qualities that the fans could see. You know, he was you know he was everything for the club. You know, there's not many players can say you know captain, um, you know, and a manager, uh, and and he was a leader on the pitch. And, and the two of them it made it a lot easier, you know, that way than than what it could have been. And at that time, we talked, we touched about it there. And as a Fussell fan, it's, it's definitely a time you hold dear to your heart. That season, it was so exciting, and it was us v Morton, and it was kids versus experience. I know, I think it was Alan, it was Alan Moore. Yeah. Their manager, yep. and he was he was trying to noise up a bit and doubts, trying to dig out your bottle and say, can Fissel hold on for this? And we'll talk about the, when you won the league in the t-shirts. But did that inspire you? Did that actually turn out to be a good thing that he did doubt you? Yeah, I'm sure it. I'm sure it was more than just Alan Moore that, that doubted the the squad simply because, I mean, you look at, across the age, it was a young squad, a lot of inexperienced players there, but I think it goes to show that you know, Partick Thistle was great for giving people a platform to go and show exactly what they can do and um, you know look what it, take, it took the club um, probably some of the best years the club's experienced um, in a long long time um, and you know the, the age versus experience thing was a, was a bit of fun <laughs> um, I think it was actually Aaron Taylor, Taylor Sinclair who He's came up son, doesn't he, Graham, I think he? Yep. Yes. Uh, yep. but he came up with that whole motto type thing and, and it was a bit of a laugh amongst the players um, but you know it, it, it just shows that these players were good enough um, and it took Partick Thistle to give them a chance um, and going back to Jackie, you know, Jackie could spot that um, and then you have to motivate them you, you know, you have to give them something to motivate them every single week um, to make sure they're out there trying to prove something and, you know, it was it was just a great season to look back on I think it was hashtag we've got this in the t-shirts when you did win it, I remember a game you probably remember this as well, was it Cowden Beef away? With the fog, the fog, fog yep. off, and uh, I think we were lo- losing. The yeah, we were getting beat. Aye. Somebody yeah, turned what? the fog machine on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was at that. You couldn't see the other end of the pitch. The team buses uh, went up the exhaust. All you could hear was the shouting. <laughs> I'm sure the players were there. Bumming that up, I'm sure Lawless was running about the refs and I can't see the ball. Where's the ball, ref? Trying to get his game off. We were that far away because of the speed. Is it the speedway? Is it, is it speedway? Is it around, around, the, pitch it, around the pitch? Yeah. Is it speedway or something? The bat season, you know, everybody, but the Morton game aside, that that season, the Morton game, I, I have never been as nervous for a football game in my life. I was still on a baby uh, <laughs> and Jesus, I was away for six days after it, um, you know, and but. I've never felt that ever that sickness about a football game ever. The biggest game for me was the one not long before it, Dunfermline, because Dunfermline were clicking away at our heels as well. And um, I think we, I think we won. They went one 0 up, Again. and then uh, and then we went five, five. I thought it was five one. I think did you score in that game? Uh, I, I don't think it's another one. Squiddy, no Stephen O'Donnell chat. dinked the goal. Was it, it, I don't, was I think it, it was O'Donnell. Um, but I, I'm just looking at the team. I was laughing there as I'm looking at the team. You know, you know, and uh, Scott Fox, Stephen O'Donnell, uh, Taylor Sinclair, Paul Payton, Archie, Conrad, Stuart Baver, Banzo, Dills, Erskine, Lawless, Cherney, Craigan, James Craigan, Stephen Craigan, 
David Rowson, Martin Hardy, Chick Charnley. I mean, how would ever have thought they would see Chick Charnley, Chris Erskine and Chris Doolan on the same pitch? <laughs> Liam Buchanan, Jordy Shaw, Stevie Craig, Jerry Britton and Scott Parson. Some team, eh? But with the exception of some of the older ones like Jerry and, and that, but aye, it's... That team, they knew... I mean, we were laughing with Mark Wilson yesterday and he was saying, that could still compete the now. You know, there's about four team, four team, we've got a fullback who's playing for Scotland and he's going to be up against Mark Wilson and Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. What a team. Okay. You know, Tam Cherney coming down. I mean, uh, Tam is a fantastic keeper for us. One of the best, I think, that Aye. I remember if I saw time was also, who's the boy from Northern Ireland? Of, he's Tuffy. Tuffy. Johnny Tuffy. He was, a good, he was a great goalie as well. We've always he's been brilliant. blessed with goalies. You know, we've, we've always had, you know, a good run of goalies. Way, way, way back, you know, way back to Andy Murder, Craig Nelson, you know. Kenny. Uh, Kenny Arthur, Nicky Walker. You know, you can go way back. We've always had... Um, decent goalkeepers and then obviously Fox has come back which is brilliant and we've got young Snedden who's looks like he could be a fantastic talent but yeah that that season for me was it was both amazing and horrible and the same thing it, it, the horrible with that Morton game on a Wednesday night um, there was a huge crowd I mean it was just I mean, a, almost 8,000 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, 8, aye don't remember much about it. I just remember the goal going in, <laughs> and then the last five minutes, you know, thinking, "This is it." And then we actually won it quite comfortably and ended up, didn't we? Didn't I think the final game, Chris, was a, it was a two-nil against Falkirk. I think Squiddy scored a wonder goal that game. But just another point in that season was the Challenge Cup final. Now, this was a game which had absolutely everything. It must be a crazy game to play in. You obviously scored. Yep. But it was after. Uh, Aero, Aaron Muirhead was sent off for sticking the head into a... Lee Robinson was in goals no, that day? Chris, no, it was Higgins. Was it Chris Higgins? Higgins, yeah, it was the centre-half. Uh, but Lee Robinson was a goalkeeper. Yeah, what, what happened there? Because it seemed like... I think Aero missed the penalty. Yeah. So he won the penalty, missed the penalty, and they, they all dived in his face, you know, shouting, sort of, um, Van Nistelrooy and Keon style. <laughs> um, and, you know, Aaron's just reacted in a split second, um, and obviously done what he done, and and get his marching orders. Um, I think at that point, you know, we thought we've probably blown this chance of getting back in the game. Um, I was actually talking to Aaron about it just recently and he just said he was sitting in the changing rooms and he was trying to get back out <laughs> to watch the rest of the game because he, he could hear the crowd willing Thistle to score. Ross Ford was a brilliant ball. Is that, that uh, like, yep. We'll, we'll oh, talk about uh, Ross in a minute because he's one of my favourite. Uh, iconic players he probably doesn't run very much but that left foot must have been, it must have been a joy to play off as well yeah it was brilliant he, and you know he still he don't lose that that ability um, as you say doesn't maybe doesn't run about 100 mile an hour but if you've got that kind of talent um, you know why would you want to run about just get these guys the ball um, and then you make runs away for the ball and these guys find you with it aye that was that was a main time we Thistle had done two two styles of hospitality that day. I was still in a sauce at that point, and they'd done two styles of hospitality. One was um, luxury, and one was just your standard. And we went the luxury one. We were in that stand, um, the, the the one away from where you come out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, when you scored, I thought that's it. And then I, I, I still hold a grudge in that game. I thought the keeper should have been sent off because they'd been booked. And then the messing about of the penalty kicks that went on um, was pretty excessive. You know, you get warned and warned and warned and never should have had another booking. Um, not, that, not that I'm holding a grudge and not that I'm, <laughs> I'm bitter in any way, shape or form, but at that point it was 
it was fever pitch. I remember thinking that the anger was coming out of everybody and just the passion that, 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 that was, was kicking about. Obviously, we had scored so late on. Um, and then that's just the typical thistle wave when we thought it was all fine. It, it, it crumbled. Did you think when you scored, because remember it was crazy reactions, I think the fans came on the pitch, and we don't condone <laughs> that in any way, shape or form in Scottish football. But you must have thought the momentum was with you and you'd go on to win it. I did, yeah, and I'm sure you know most of the stadium probably did. If you're going to score at the very last kick of the extra time, um, you probably think the game swung in your in your favour. Um, and it was just unfortunate. Obviously, when it goes to penalty kicks, it's unfortunately, it's a lottery. Yeah, and we came up short um, in that penalty shootout. But um, what a memorable day! And I'm sure you know every Jags fan that was there will will always remember. Oh no, actually, he was a player with you. He was a manager with you. How big an impact did he have in your career? He had a massive impact on on me. Um, not only as a player, but as a person. You know, when I first arrived at the club as a player alongside him, uh, I spoke about it earlier. How I was in a room with him. Um, at the Inverness trip and I think it was it wasn't by chance because you're in there with the club captain and you see how model professionals um, prepare for games um, and that set the tone for me uh, as a person and you know going on to management we, we could see he was going to be a, a good manager and we were always behind him Alan, Chris was talking about that earlier he said when he first joined the club and he travelled up to Inverness for his debut and he beat 3-0 that he was ruined with you what was your view on Chris at the time? Did you always think he had something special to go on and be the player he was for Partick Thistle? Um, not quite. <laughs> we knew he had something. <laughs> <laughs> I think yesterday, one of the, the press guys, Bobby Dinney, brought myself to the club, so I knew Bobby well. He brought, obviously, Chris to the club and he knew my call for my the manager at the time. And Bobby said to me, I've got a couple of junior boys coming in. And I'd played junior with Conan Rangers. Um, I'd got loaned out when I was younger, so I was expecting this big striker to come in. And then <laughs> Chris Erskine. I think both of them together weighed the same size, probably weighed the same as my size. But um, no, but no, we did notice his death first touch that MD has played the Tissel know about. He's a fantastic uh, left and a great first touch. Um, he was there for all to see. Um, and this slight, very, very slight figure when he walked in, but he had um, great uh, skill and exquisite finishing um, which we soon found out about. We're talking about our left field here talking about left footed players we're just talking about Ross Forbes who's got a better left foot Forbes or Dylan? Uh, I think that goes to Forbes eh? <laughs> you accept that Dylan? No <laughs> No it, it probably does yeah, a great left foot Ridiculous. We're just talking about the season when you gained promotion and you came in and Chris was speaking about how all the players were so keen for you to get the job and there's a bit of a delay there before you actually got it how was that for you and for Scott? Um, it, was, it was bizarre actually. But I think we were about six games. I think we won a game five 0 or something. We beat Livingston. I think we beat Livingston five or six 0 And the managing team by Charlie Livingston got the job before we did. It was the most bizarre situation ever. Um, but it was like the board wanted to get it right, and you can see why. Um, but the players were excellent. That made it easier for ourselves to get the job. I think as well with a young group of players that. Um, and you find out as you older management that players don't like change um, and the young players didn't want change they knew what they were getting and they were taking over and we knew how to treat them as a bunch and um, they were credit themselves they went and won the league themselves uh, with some great performances uh, For me that was we were talking about earlier on Archie and, and as, uh, being a supporter it was one of these seasons that it was uh, it was horrific at the end because it was so exhilarating you know that that Wednesday night game uh, I know for a fan that I was, uh, I've never felt anything like that, that sort of nerves, um, you know, that going into that game, 
How were you? How were you? Morton game. Ah, uh, the Morton game, the Wednesday night, the 1-0. Oh, yeah. I feel totally cowed and beef, sorry. Oh, no, no, the one that got full of that they're on, the one that got fogged off, allegedly. That, aye, or the car engine's going to try and get it fogged over, and I think we were 1-0 done, weren't we? Um, aye, but, it, I, when you don't see fairly going back to the Morton game, it, it was it was surreal. It was, um, it's no often you just become a manager and you've got a cup final. We lose the cup final in bizarre circumstances, um, and then you've got the biggest game of the season on Wednesday night. Um, but I also remember we in training on Sunday morning, obviously. Um, you had it through a bit of time in the game, and we sat down as a group and we spoke about it. We walked on the pitch, we trained on the pitch on the Sunday. So we did, and, and just a chat about it. Um, the boys are level headed and they wanted to put it right, and they put in a fantastic performance. Even guys who go out and do that, and I probably nearly fell out that night because Morton were going to the titles against a team like these pros, real good. Team Morton were as well. That's right. And, 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 it was a real professional performance for mm. the guys. There was another one that sticks out in my head as well. It was the Dunfermline game. Uh, 5 1. Was it 5 1 we won? Um, it was, it was, I think we beat them twice. We beat them twi- twice, I think. I think we went 1 0 up, I think. And then we went on and battered them. And right. that season, that was another one that stuck out for me. But the Morton game in particular, the only reason it sticks out for me because I've never felt so ill in all my life um, for a game of football. <laughs> so if I was feeling like that, and I was still in a bevy at the time, then that must have been horrific for the players. Particularly nobody yeah, nobody in know. that squad's probably known this, so, uh, or still probably hasn't seen Furhill as, as busy as that. I've certainly not, not in my team. No, no, it was jumping. It was absolutely jumping. It was fantastic. There was so much disappointment in the Hampton's Cup, I called it at the time, so... It was great to hit back because I think everybody wrote us off. We were going to lose both games. Um, they didn't have experience to do it. And I think that's how the boys got their t shirts on the end of the season because a lot of people wrote them off after losing their manager. The great job that Jackie had done, we'd lost him. And then we'd lost Sid as well, a big part of the coaching staff. So um, it's credit to the players that they, they stuck with their guns and went and won the league. Uh, we talked about that there with the Morton situation and the kind of kids' experience and a lot of people writing Fissle off. Chris said you kind of use that as a, a motivation to. Inspire is that something that you spoke about in team talks and stuff like that? Yeah, look, there's a real togetherness. I think, look, look not to anybody with Jackie, Jackie done a brilliant job, so he did in getting the boys together. But the boys were young as well, and they felt a bit less in the when Jackie left them. And I think they now understand that he had to go and whatever else, and that's all in the past. But they felt a bit hurt because he'd left and they were, they were building something. So I think when you're in that kind of unit of the dressing room in some leagues, you feel a bit hard done for both reasons. One, they were getting wrote off by everybody because they'd lost their manager against the experienced team and, and the players used it and so they did and um, we stuck together and stuck by their guns and it's probably as they look back it was their most enjoyable season in their careers and I remember you know thinking or the, the players thinking at the time when Archie took over was you know this could be horribly wrong it could go hor- because he's taken over when the club's flying uh, we all wanted him to get the job but you know we've got to go over the line now um, and like I, I said that about Archie earlier we were all desperate for him to get the job because we wanted continuity. We wanted somebody in charge that everybody respected, not just as players, but around the club, um, and knew us as people uh, and, and players. But, you know, it's difficult probably, from Archie's point of view, that he took over when the club was doing so well, um, and there was a lot of pressure there to, to get over the line. Um, and then you're looking around at a, a young squad, but we all had something to prove, uh, and I'm sure Archie did, even as a manager, had something to prove. Um, and like I said earlier, I think... When you've got players and, and managers with things to prove, they'll always give you 110%. And, and for Archie's point of view, we were always behind them. It just shows when you look, when Graham was talking about the team that's playing in your testimonial, that so many of them come from from that side. Alan, see when you had that team and 
you took them up into the Premiership and you've you've done so well when you're up there for for say for so many seasons. You got that top six. Did you feel there was a real spirit amongst those boys? It was almost special. Yeah, well, that's how we. You see, the first not the first game we played, the Dundee United game we played at home. Obviously, it had to be Dundee United. The first uh, <laughs> game in the Premier League after promotion, and the team that started, none of them had played the Premier League before. And I remember doing an interview with Stevie Cregan for BT when he first started. And he says, Are "You going to go with the boys?" And I, I says, "Look, they've got." togetherness and you see it now what that brings when you've got a bit of momentum that'll get that'll gain you six seven eight points a season without a shadow of a doubt you've seen me air come up last year and done it Livingston done it as well back to back seasons you see it now happening all the time because i think you buy into that momentum the players all know each other know each other's game and they're young as well that's what we had in our favor that they could get about the pitch it's a real young vibrant side um and, and we knew that the design just needs a wee bit of guy and a wee bit more we tried to get a bit more investment down the kind of spine of the team if we could but we found that hard because we didn't have the finance to do it but um, we were a joy to work with How important was Dules for you? Um, it was massive, huge I said yesterday in the press conference it was both on the pitch and off the pitch and I think he'd learned from when he came to the club there was guys like me John Roberts and Mark Roberts um, Tay Kinsker David Rouse and Maxwell so that's what he McCall's in he wrote guys in the dressing room he can manage the dressing room and guys you respected and looked up to and showed younger players how to be a footballer, so to speak, and that's what Chris done as well. And I said that yesterday, but I always, always used to say, I used to get young players coming in and it would be Declan McVay or Liam Lindsay or they come to the team and try and keep them down and say, look, if you're looking for a role model, don't pick the guy that's buying new boots every week and walking in with a hat on back to front and flash Harry. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, but you want your guys that are still going to be playing into their 30s and they're looking after themselves in the gym first thing in the morning they're looking after bodies, they're last away, um, and that's what he done. He never chapped my door, he just got on with his job, and he always done his talk on the pitch. Anything I left him out, I think he chapped my door once, like the whole time I was there. And that was well deserved, aren't you? He probably just told me to beat it back out of the office, I can't even remember. <laughs> One of the things that uh, we were talking about, that, you know, that, um, we're all talking of is quite rightly about the, the, the playing aspect of it. Um, but one of the biggest things that, that, that I found but before I really got to know Duels was the team off of the park were very much Partick Thistle orientated so you had your Chris Erskins, your Chris Doolins, your, your Rollis who were willing to come and chat to the fans and, and, and you know it was it was a cracking atmosphere about the whole place and that was generated from the management to, to the players, to the fans, you know, it was a togetherness right through the whole club, not just players, but fans as well. I mean, Dules was still, right up to the end, was attending all sorts of community projects for the club, you know, and, and everybody yeah. was doing that. Yeah, I mean, I went, yeah, even as players, I went with Archie. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we used to go and visit hospitals or whatever it was, you know, because it was a good example, you know, and, and Archie was, was an example to all of us as players, as young players. So you kind of see what it means to hard-working people um, just to turn up for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It takes no skin off MD's nose from footballers, but it makes a massive difference to the community, and I think that's it keeps people coming back through the doors, uh, and that's when you get them fans for life. Mm-hmm. We spoke about that season, beating Morton and, and getting promoted. Another memory that comes out for me, and I'm sure Graham will agree <laughs> with me, is a certain game away to Tynecastle when 4-2, it was lashing down with rain. I don't, I don't have ever seen Alan celebrate so, so vividly in his life. That was a real special night being a Fistle fan as well. Firstly, Alan, then. Well, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, I, well, I remember the the Hibs game. We, we played Hibs just before it. We, we, I popped my shoulder out of place right. after eight minutes. And Lyle came on. And Lyle came on. And then we went to the, the Hearts. I'm sure that was the next game. Um, and I, I was on the bench, Lyle was playing, which was great. 
but you know that that night was just unbelievable um, some great goals even just to watch I mean I, I watched the game like a fan I was out warming up but I genuinely was watching the game celebrating like a fan thinking this is great um, and I, as you say I, I've never seen Archie celebrate um, so much in all my life but it was just a brilliant time to be part of the club um, yeah well, I, I, I'm off to ask one of my favourite moments and that's probably it it was um, I think as it's still mentioned about the club and the guys that had done so much to get us up there and look, it was a fantastic board at the time as well they were in celebrating with us as well you Max and David Beattie all the directors are in celebrating because we'd stayed in the league and we'd done them more or less the same players um, we added one or two along the way um, and it was a man we'd done it in. I mean, we were losing at half time. I always remember standing at the time, casting a wee fan, standing around saying, He's a gulp, he's a gun down, tell him I'm running, and that's me sounding in my ear. And we're thinking, We'll play one down, we'll just go at half time. And, and credit the boys, they turned it up with some wonderful goals, some really, 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 really good play. Um, and just touching that, and you talked about the kind of guys that the duels was and how professional he was. And I think um, with Lyle Taylor at the time, and Lyle was young still a bit immature and we were at Easter Road and he wasn't playing and he was in the huff so he was I don't think he, he, he just he sat in the dressing room at what he said before the game he said they named Dills playing ahead of him and then Dills popped his shoulder and he had to go on his boots weren't even tied <laughs> and he was ready and prepared and that's all he sticks to knowing that at that time what being a bad professional is um, compared to how good a professional Dills is he was always ready very rarely injured because of the way he looked after himself and we was ended to be something bizarre that popped my shoulder or something like that. So that was a lesson for a young Lyle Taylor at the time as well. Make sure you're prepared to go on the pitch at any time and, and be a good sub as well. You're part of a team. That's what we always try to stress to the boys. And Dills is typified that with the way you carry about your business. I remember that, that time, Castle night, actually, when there was 20 minutes to go and I, I had my shoulder all strapped up thinking, I'll ah, not put me on. He'll definitely put me on. Then you get the shout, Dills. <laughs> and I thought, oh, dear God, I can't even move my right arm. I can't pick it up. On for 15 minutes, just see the game out. I thought, this is great. Like, you know, even though your shoulder's at a place, just get on, see the game out, because this is going to be a memorable a memorable night. And um, it was just brilliant. What, what a night it was. Oh, I was in the stand that night, and I probably had a few beers as well. And it was just, it was one of those moments that, it's right up there for me. I remember watching the Fissel get promoted at fourth. I think, Alan, you were playing... Um, that That's day, right, I think yeah. early, um, Paul McGillan scored, um, the winner on his times at Love Street being a Thistle fan, and up in I think Billy Gibson scored for us up in Peterhead, uh, under the bonnet. Yeah, who, I, I call the bonnet regularly now, but at that time I called him a lot of other things. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's just a great time. Alan, before we go, because we've got a, a wee uh, wee winger wanting to come on the phone as well, so we need to get him on, and he's always got a lot to say. So. What is your favourite memory of Chris or your overriding memory of Chris as a Partick Thistle player? Overriding? I think, look, um, the goal he got to the top six. I was thinking about that the other day. It was either between that or his 100th goal. But uh, I think him getting us to the top six, I think, was massive. It was just a fitting tribute. Um, it would be his goals he got us there on the day, I think. And um, such a huge part that he played over the years at the club. Um, and that was probably one of the best moments for everybody. Um, to take in a club like Partick Fist one to the top six um, first time or the best finish in about 20 odd years or 30 years so it was great that the same bunch of guys done it and Jules one of the leading times captain of the day as well yeah it was um, a brilliant day that moments that he can look back on which is great it was I remember obviously it was Erskine that set the goal up um, I remember he broke forward quite yeah. quickly early in the game and it was <laughs> he's just turned he just knows where to pick you out in the box um, we had that telepathic bit going on and I've just slid it into the bottom corner uh, through the, the goalkeeper's legs actually um, but it, it, from my point of view it was great You know, we've got the armband that day 
you've got a chance to score a goal to put us into top six, which, as Archie says, was the best finish for 20 odd years. Um, so, you know, I was desperate, and I just knew if the ball came to me anywhere inside the box, I would score that day because I was so confident. Um, and it just happened to be, it was, it was going to be Erskine, it was going to set it up, that was always going to happen. And um, it was going to be me and I ended it to put it in the back of the net. Uh, aye, it was. Um, everybody wrote us off again that season, you know, and, and, and then um, to, be, to be able to do that, when I mean, the season before we had just missed out the top six, um, we were one goal away, I think, uh, up at Ross County, which we had all went up to, um, you know, and, and then to, to do it, yeah, it was just amazing. You know, for a club like us, to, to be in that position um, of, of playing Rangers and Celtic and, uh, at the tail end of the season in the top six, you know, it was one of these ones that's get it right, Rooney, you know, that, that's get it right, Rooney, this is us. You know, <laughs> um, you know and, and at the time, what, the Kamarnocks and all that, were, they were struggling uh, and we were flying, absolutely flying. I think one of the things at that point, the club was so strong, just... You know, on and off the pitch, the club, it was so strong. Yeah, everything yeah. was going the right way. Uh, you know, it was run prop. It was just so good. And I think for, for us as players, we knew the, the club is in such a great position. All you've got to focus on is, is, is your football, um, which, which is brilliant. It was a joy to be about the football club at the time. At the time, I had, um, I had uh, started putting some money on and became an ambassador. So you would go into the ambassador's lounge and, and you would have people coming up, um, you know, the, the board were coming up to see you and, and it was such a good place to be. The whole, you know, that, that board would come in and have a chat and, and they, you know, at the point you're thinking, you know, probably getting carried away, thinking, oh, next year, where can we go next year? You know, Europe. And, and everybody just get carried away with that bandwagon of, you know, we're in the Scottish Cup, wait till we're the doubles on and, oh, Jesus, it was gone mental, you know. <laughs> Just lastly, Alan, are you looking forward to, to putting the boots back on on, on Sunday? Um, not really, no. <laughs> in the best of shape. How's um, the knee? No, I'm not looking forward to back. The knee's okay. I've iced it every day since Sunday. <laughs> Actually, I warm up last Sunday playing for someone old Colts. Um, I was only supposed to play a half and keep myself on Dillian's game, but Ian Maxwell pulled a hamstring after eight minutes, which is embarrassing. <laughs> so that's why my knee's um, a bit swollen, but I'll be fine for Sunday. Looking forward to seeing a lot of cases. Well, people have not seen in a long time, so... It should be a fantastic day and hopefully give us a fantastic send-off that you should deserve before. And a wee tribute to your former manager before we let him, we let him go, Chris? Yeah, I mean, he's, I said earlier, he's, he was brilliant um, for me personally, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch. And it's not just for me. You know, I know all the players that came through the door, a lot of them are strikers, actually, but a lot of players who came through the door instantly, even if they didn't know Archie, he's just such a likeable person, um, never mind as a manager. That, you know, people just take to him really quickly, and I think that's it's really important in management that you have somebody like that with that likable, likable person at the forefront of your club because um, it just shows you you could bring all sorts of players in, but if you can't motivate them to play, you'll struggle. Um, and actually, had that ability to be grounded. Um, he didn't get too carried away when we won, apart from at hearts that night, <laughs> and he wouldn't get too carried away when we get beat, um, which uh, you know came onto the players. And we felt like that as well. So you weren't either up nor down. Everybody was level-headed. And, and even getting to the top six, you know, we spoke about it as players. Don't get carried away because, you know, we've got to get there first. I'm sure the fans were, were up in arms, but we had to stay ground and make sure we get the job done. Um, and just as a manager, you know, he, he was a great guy uh, and what a successful manager he was for the club. 
Alan, thanks very much for joining. You look forward to seeing you on Sunday and hopefully you manage to get through the game. No worries. Thanks, guys. Cheers. 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 So we've been joined by his former manager and now we're joined by a former teammate. One of your favourite teammates, Stevie Lawless. Chris, what have you got to say about this guy? Hey, hi Stevie. Um, he, he was brilliant for the club. You know, it's, He's just such a great wee guy, um, not just as a, as a player, um, but even just as a person about the club. He's just such a, a happy-go-lucky wee kind of guy. Um, and again, he, he's very, very likeable. Um, but you know, on the pitch, he can be unbelievable. Um, and for guys like me, I just let him have the ball. You know, I don't. I don't want the ball. Uh, I'm quite happy to wait till it comes in the six-yard box, and let guys like Lawless and Erskine um, take the ball because I knew when they get in the box, they would try and pass to me usually. Um, so it was up to me to try and find space. Um, but you know, it, it was just brilliant for the club. Must be nice to hear, Steve. I think it's the first time he's ever said something nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of that, in terms of playing models, how easy was it to kind of? It must be good for your assist numbers, Stevie. Well, as you said. Um, we knew what we were getting with him, like, if we'd done our job, if we get the ball to him in the box, it's more than likely we've got to put it away, so we just let him do that. We let him do that, I'll do his running for him, no problem. Get him <laughs> on the box and he'll get us the three points. That's the way it works for us. I think we, we, at that point, you know, when, especially when we won the league, you know, we had a, a front three who, who could all interchange, um, and, it, and it was well known that, you know, Erskine and Lawless were the two ball carriers, um, and we made no bones about that. We get the guys the ball. And the strikers just leave them, you know, let them be one and one out in the out in the wide area. But like I said, once he comes in the box, I could trust Lawless. I could trust Chris Erskine to try and find me in the box. So all I was focusing on was finishing. Um, I, I didn't have to think about going looking for the ball, um, which takes your mind away from from your actual finish. So it was great that you've got guys like Lawless who you can trust with the ball, and um, for a wee moment of magic. And he must have set up an awful lot of goals. I remember when you came, Steve, I had actually played golf with Jamie Murphy. Um, and I had spoke with him and, um, you know, what was what sort of player we were getting. And uh, he was astonished that we had managed to get, you know, from, from Motherwell. And uh, so I was the Billy Big Boy, I was giving it all the biggie, you know, that this guy's got to be class, this guy. And I, and I wasn't proven wrong, it was one of the most exciting front three that I've ever seen at Thistle. You know, Squiddy, you and, and, and Dills. Uh, and then obviously... With Squiddy doing my personal training now that I've found out that you're a bit of a, a bit of a lad, you know, about the dressing room. So, um, but it, 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 we were talking earlier on about, you know, that togetherness. It looked as if it was on the pitch, um, but that spread out to the fans because you were that, you know, you you immerse yourself in a club and and were welcoming to everybody that wanted to speak to you. I know sometimes footballers can become a bit aloof. Um, I know you took a bit of stick because you went and supported your team, but that was wrong at the time, for my opinion. Um, but you, you done. You never. You never left anything out in the pie. You know. You're always giving a hundred percent. And 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 that when you were coming to speak to the fans, it, it meant a lot to everybody. Um, it was a cracking time for us all. Just wish the old band yeah, could well, get back. I noticed that when when I first signed, like it certainly did click straight away. Um, when I signed Jackie Tilt was that I knew I knew a majority of players anyway. If we went against them through the years, like coming through the youth and that, like a lot of the boys were around about my age at the time, and obviously I. Played against a, a very similar team to that, like the, the team that was there and uh, Craigan's testimonial. So I knew players for that as well. And it does certainly clutch straight away and when you get that, you just need to see how far you can go with it. Because I think we went in the run at the start and that gave us the confidence um, to build on it. And we just kind of kept that going. Like For the majority of the time I was there, like kept a lot of the same boys together and that kind of, I think that helped us, helped us through a lot. And, um, 
they managed to push on each year. It felt until obviously, obviously the end when I when I had to had to go. Wouldn't be fair having Chris in the studio and Stevie on the line without speaking about Squiddy. Stevie, you obviously still play with him now. Does he pass you the ball any more than he used to? Not a chance. No, it's actually <laughs> beginning to really annoy. I think he's got a, a thing against me getting any goals or that. He scored one goal for he came and I set him up, and I've not a pass for him since. How can he pass at you for the bench? Uh, well, he gets five minutes here and then. He's actually one. Of the, uh, I think he's mentioned to that he's trying to get ninety minutes at the weekend. So hopefully he can get uh, some minutes in his legs this soon. <laughs> I think, you know, looking back, the, the two of them, those two have a great relationship and it was a love-hate relationship <laughs> simply because they used to hate setting each other up for goals but they loved it when they scored and it was a case of, you know, they were desperate to do well but they had this whole assists chart going and the season we won the league, you know, everybody was chipping in with goals and I think that was important, you know, we, we had, I don't know how many, four or five people in double figures, probably the last time. Thistle had that amount of people in double figures in a season and you know they, they always had this bit of banter between the two of them but they, they just hate setting each other up because they know for the next week they're going to rub it in <laughs> um, and you know Stevie always said that he was the one that set up all the Erskins and Erskine set up all the Lawlesses so um, you know it goes back and forth but uh, like I say the two of them are just tremendous players I've still not recovered for that he beat me with one goal and mind they played cows and beasts and it got called off at board <laughs> we're talking about that game Dill said it was you that got yeah, it called I off I scored that game and I don't get that, that goal so he beat me with one goal that definitely yeah. doesn't count Stephen the game is cancelled professional <laughs> 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 game it happened <laughs> I had one against Morton that was in the back of the net that got knocked out for a throw in I didn't get that goal you're not getting yours <laughs> Stevie, what 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 was your your best memory of duels as a Thistle player? Personally, I like I like playing with a striker that will take come to feet. Um, I know like a lot of strikers nowadays need to run in behind, and for being honest, that was never Bill's strength, so we didn't try and play like that. But I, I, I like the fact that he used to come to feet and offer an option for a one-two, and it brought you up the park. I loved that about him. Probably the, the memory that stands out for me the most would have been the Hamilton game where he scored four. I set up two and one time I didn't even try and find him. I've tried to find Ryan Stevenson and he's like come back, took it off Steve O, turned the defender on throat. I've I've just said that I've tried to play it to him, but I was I was looking for Ryan Stevenson that night and he took me at home. <laughs> It was a tremendous night. That was brilliant. And I mean, Stevie was heavily. If you if you watch the goals, Stevie's heavily involved in in, in a lot of them. Um, because that type of boy he was, he, he always has been. And um, wherever there's a goal, Stevie's always about there somewhere. Um, and you know, it, it, obviously the thirds, the back heel. It's Stevie that that flicks it on with a back heel, which he'll probably tell you about. But you know, it's it's him that creates that goal. It was a great team goal. But it's Stevie that again. I just run away for the ball. Simply because I know I don't have to wait in Stevie to find me. I just think he'll find me uh, because of how good a player he actually is. And that's why I think at that time, and even coming into the Premier League, we had that confidence where I can trust them uh, and they can trust me. Um, and I think you have to have that. If you're going to do well at a club, you've got to have those relationships all across the pitch that you trust each other with the ball. Just what we've got you here before we let you go, Stevie, we're talking about the 2012-13 season. Two people were involved around that time were yep. the Kitman, Ricky and Chico. People talk about Partick Fistle being a special club and it's people like that that make it special. What would kind of be your tribute to them at this moment? Oh, I, loved, I loved the two of them. I think they were brilliant. Um, just for lighting the mood when maybe things weren't going, going your way. Like, and sometimes, it, I don't know if like, Archie or, or Jackie tell you this, but sometimes like if they were giving you a bollock and they, out and over, the two of them would just would say something hilarious and everybody would be in stitches and it would it would lift the mood a bit I loved, I loved to run about some of the stories 
you, you couldn't get me removed through them because they were they were that type of men about the place. They were they were always involved, always up to up to no good. I can remember Stephen O'Donnell actually tried to give them a little bit back, and they came back into training and they'd stapled everybody's clothes clothes <laughs> uh, close to the ceiling. <laughs> Every That's single bit, socks, boxers, the lot, everything up to the so they were great to have around about it was obviously sad for the full club when, they, when both of them passed away I was talking earlier on about good fits for a football club and those two were huge I mean I used to know or still do know a young player that was coming through it so a young guy called Kieran Burns and um, I used to go and pick up Kieran for, for football and, and the boys would, would get us in you know just to wait on him come in it and um, yeah. right for the day dot you know, there wasn't even any introductions it just ripped me you know, and I'm thinking that I'm, I'm, you don't even know who I am, and they didn't really care. You know, it was absolutely nah. brilliant, and the atmosphere, everybody that seen that warm glow towards him, but they were, um, well, they were sharp, all right. You just, uh, you know, any time you walk by and you thought there's going to be something coming my way. Yeah, I mean, they've done that with me, my first day. <laughs> you know, I had even said hi to them yet, and they'd said the gaffer was looking for me, and I went in the gaffer's office waiting on him, and Jackie came in and was like, "What you then?" <laughs> <laughs> They were wild. They, they, you know, they've done that with everybody. They did. They've done it with hundreds of players, didn't they, Stevie? I mean, I, I just when I think back, well, I loved them. To bits. I think everybody, as Stevie says, angry about all around the club. Everybody loved them to bits, uh, and probably you know dearly misses them. Uh, and I, I think they were a massive loss to to Partick Thistle. Um, going back to what Stevie's saying about you know when, when times get tough, you need characters. Around the, around the place, and, and you know they were Partick Thistle, um, you know, and and they were great in terms of sometimes they they, they took team talks, you know, they'd lock the, they'd lock the doors, and and Monday everybody was doom and gloom because we'd be they would come in, they'd lock the door, they would tell everybody what they thought of them in a funny roundabout way, but you know it, it lifted the spirit for the Monday morning, and the rest of the week would be great simply because they would quickly get that out of the way, um, but it was all, always done in a real fun fun-loving way um, and like I say I mean I just thought when they sadly passed away um, they, they're dearly missed around the club and you know it's I don't think they've ever been replaced um, yeah. and those kind of characters are, are hard to come by um, and they, they will be missed forever no, no, yeah, Sorry it just came to me I remember what I can't remember when we were playing we were getting beat 4-0 or something at half time and everybody's obviously got their heads down and Chico and Ricky are in the change room and I can't remember what one of them says he's done Right, boys, mind tell the referees are going up for the second time. Everybody goes to it laughing. I don't, I, I don't think we can see the enemy goals the second time. That just completely, you just forget about things and that. That's just for guys who are Stuff like that to help you, help you go over like hard, tough, hard things. And that's the type of guys, guys who are there. Uh, they were brilliant. Massive losses. They were. Mm-hmm. Stevie, thanks very much for joining us tonight. I know your partner in crime, Squiddy, was supposed to come on, but uh, we'll get him in another time. But thanks for taking the time out again. No, no worries at all. Thanks, Stevie. Four goals against Hamilton, but I think it was the first footballer to score a perfect hat-trick in the Scottish Premiership since its formation in 2013. It must be another proud moment for yourself. It was, you know, and it was it was just such an amazing night. And I think after the first goal goes in, the one Stevie's talking about when he tries to pick out Ryan Stevenson, and I basically take it off his toe. And, you know, they're all about to shout at me for taking it away for Steve-O. And then I turn the put in the net. I think after that goal went in, I thought, you know, this is going to be a great night. Um, that was the second one, and I just thought, you know, I've got a real chance now to, to go on and get the hat-trick. And obviously, the hat-trick went in, and then it was quickly followed up by a fourth. Um, but what a night it was. 
How proud are you of your record, especially at that level? Because you're right up there with some top, top players. Yeah, I know, and I still... I look at it and think it, it's just been such a great time. Um, you know, I'm still up there as the the third or fourth high, fourth highest SPFL Premiership striker um, in terms of goals. So you know, up there with Lee Griffiths, Adam Rooney, Chris Boyd, uh, to see my name up there uh, and Partick Thistle's name up there is something that, you know, that's, that makes me very proud every time I hear about it or every time I see it. Going to the 16-17 season, another memorable year for yourself and in terms of landmarks I remember we spoke after the air game and you said like all these games it always seems to the stars seem to align for you and it, it is it tends to be the case it was Ross County the 100th and the 101st professional goal for Partick Thistle we started this by talking about when you came from Auchinleck and you weren't too sure you had that loan spell at Clyde so to reach those moments do you really take it in at the time or do you think it's something you look back on towards the end of your career or, or can you fully appreciate it whilst you're still obviously playing? I think at that time I fully appreciated it and I still do because it, it takes an awful lot of hard work um, time and effort to, to get there um, and we spoke before about you know, not a lot of people hang around a club long enough to, to score that amount of goals um, but you know I, I wanted to enjoy it at the time uh, and I knew it was coming. I was determined to, to get it. Um, and I knew when I got it, I was going to enjoy it. Um, because, like I said, it had taken an awful lot of time to get there. Um, and I knew what it meant to people around the club um, to, to have these kind of landmarks um, and sort of goal-scoring records broken. Got 100 goals for Partick Thistle is um, pretty special. And on a note, while I'm going to do a wee plug here, testimonial, Chris's amazingly given up that berry t-shirt um, as part of a, a an auction lot um, so sweat marks a lot, well there wouldn't be much sweat marks but you know what I mean, there will be maybe marks on it um, but that very top um, will be available for auction um, but that to score 100 goals and, and, and some of the goals that he scored were uh, were amazing, you know, and 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 not just there were so many crucial goals in there at crucial times, you know, um, you know the top six as we talked about earlier. There were so many different things that um, different types of goals as well. I mean, there was a couple of hanging headers, was it? That, yeah, there's a few, right? You know, the, you know goals that, that, and then obviously, you know, I, I keep on harping back to the man off the pitch, you know, and, and he scored a hundred goals on the pitch. But he said the way he celebrated it was with everybody that was there, uh, and you could see that level of admiration from everybody in the stands, and you know that. I don't maybe I'm I don't think you'll see that type of player at Thistle for for a very 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 long time. Somebody one who scored a hundred goals but has that type of connection, you know, with the supporters. We can only hope that season finishing top six for a club of Partick Thistle. We <coughs> talked about it. We actually was on the phone about the training academy that's now firmly on the backbone. There was a real positivity about the club. How difficult was it to process when the following season there was memorable moments for yourself? We scored a hundred league goals but then we end up getting relegated. Subsequent, yes. That subsequently ends with Archie leaving his job and stuff like that. From going to such a high where the club was in such a positive place for then so soon after to poor position, how was that for you? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to take. Um, I, I spoke about it before that, you know, I remember looking around the stadium and thinking, I'm absolutely gutted for, for fans and people who work at the club um, simply because everybody takes that hit. You know, the club's been relegated Players will move on, you know, and it, and it's no great to think, but you know some players will dust themselves down, and go and find another club because that's what football does. But fans will always be there. People have jobs around the club, and I just remember thinking, you know, it's it's heartbreaking that 
people who care about this club so much and have enjoyed all these years in the Premiership are now going to have to drop into Championship. But um, and then to see Archie lose his job, um, it, it just it just compounded things again, and um, it, it became a really difficult time at the club. From my point of view, and I'm sure Graham will agree with me. They seemed like the fans were kind of splitting Archie. A lot of people wanted to have him more time, and I was certainly one of them, I'll be honest. I thought that the way that he took the club up and the stability we had as a Premier League club, that he maybe deserved a bit more time. And I know, I know that summer there was a lot of change and with signings and stuff like that, and a lot of them seemed to come in late in the window, which doesn't necessarily help. How, how do you feel about the situation with Archie leaving? And, and I think across that? the board there was a lot of mistakes made. Across the whole, you know, just from, from top to bottom at the time, there was a lot of mistakes made. I, I'm with you on the Archie thing. I, I, I'm still not... I still don't know. I, I would love to have seen Archie going on and be successful. I still think he will be. But at the time, it would have broke my heart, but I still it had a chance to go, you know, at a, a time where he was on the rise. Um, and Because I think that's what he deserves. But the way that I would have given him more time, because I thought that the players were, were around him, there was a few changes needing done. He didn't get the help with the last-minute people coming in, and the standard of people that did come in, didn't fit the bill, um, you know, they didn't have that sort of, I don't know, skill, or, or they weren't the right players for us, and, uh, and unfortunately, you know, that could only go one way, the, the way things were happening, and when he lost his job, I, I thought, you know, we were going down here, not as in, we're going to go downhill, because it's such a, it was the end of a void of players, you had McCall, Jackie, Archie, every one of them had a thistle thread going through them and now we're, we're, we're moving away from that now. It seemed like the club lost a bit of its identity with some of the players leaving and BT obviously left the board and Archie left. You were obviously around the club at the time. Did, to you, was it kind of doubly sad because it didn't feel like it was all those years with the, the same players there? Yeah, it was. you could see there was big changes coming um, on and off the pitch and there was a lot of, kind of turmoil um, at, at times. Um, which which is sad to see, you know, and it, and it was great people. Obviously, David Beatty's come back now, but it, you know when he was on the club previously, like I said, the club was so strong, top six, you know, years off the pitch was, was great, um, and David Beatty was, was brilliant for the club, and you know on the pitch we done what we done, um, and you know I could see that kind of turmoil happening now that you know there was a lot of changes, and then obviously actually loses his job. It, it just makes things difficult, um, and it's probably more about consolidating things. Um, obviously we were trying to get back up as quick as we possibly could but it quickly became evident that that wasn't going to happen I remember that, that very atmosphere that I was talking about that was so all togetherness um, I was in, I was I was now part of the ambassador pack uh, the, past, the ambassadors thing and um, you had folk coming in and the atmosphere had changed you know it changed from that happy I know we were getting beat and, and the performances were going down, but it was toxic. You know, that atmosphere had completely flipped from the thistle that I knew, that happy, and that comes from the top. And that came from your David Beatty down to Maxi. You know, if people forget, we lost two key people at, the, at that time. We lost Maxi, and, uh, 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 you know, at, at, at that time as well. And, um, you know, no, don't underestimate the job that Maxi done. You know, that guy... Um, was a huge part of our football club uh, and losing him left a massive void as well which needed replaced and Jerry's doing fine but it's a big, big job to take on for a small club. I think it shows how well Max has done, you'll know more than most Chris that he ended up going on to one of the biggest jobs if not the biggest job in Scottish football. Mm. Yeah and to be honest I'm not surprised. You know, Obviously when I was at the club 
I knew the club inside out, you know, and I know the job everybody does in the offices, and I, I know everybody around the club, and I knew just how good Maxi actually was at his job, um, and how highly rated he was, um, and also of it, even by David Beatty, he was highly rated by David Beatty, um, and you could just see he had that business sense. Um, he was going to go places and I'm not surprised he got such a, a big job at, at the SFA. We won't go into too much detail about the last season because we're here to break your career at Fissel, which I think they've done in, in great detail and obviously having Stevie and Arch on was really good as well. You made your 400th appearance for Fissel, eh, ironically against Air United. At that time, did you have any inclination at all that it was coming to an end? No, none at all. Um, in my mind, uh, you've made 400 appearances I'll move on, I'll try and get five. That 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 was my mentality. Um, you know, Archie spoke about it earlier, you look after your body off the pitch, which takes care of things on the pitch. And from, from my point of view, I remember thinking, you know, it's great to make 400, I want more, because there's no better feeling being out in the pitch and scoring goals. Um, so no, I had no inclination at, at that time that, that anything was going to happen. Yeah, I was down at Dumfries in the last game of the season and you didn't go on. For me, that the whole way your exit was handled was could have been handled better. I think Jerry's admitted that himself um, to his credit. What's your kind of views on when you did leave? Did you feel that you didn't really get the send off that you deserved, or that it wasn't done in the best taste? I suppose this testimonial gives you the opportunity to, to say bye. Um, I think. I mean, I'd, I would never hold a grudge in terms of oh, you, you never get the chance. Unfortunately, the way it panned out, you know, it, it was heartbreaking. Actually, you know, to to leave a club, you've been there so long. And, and done so well and to kind of leave under a cloud is is difficult um, but you know we've still got a chance you know to go back and see a lot of familiar faces um, and you know when I left the club obviously I was hoping to come on even at the Queen of South game I had no idea I was leaving so all I wanted was to go on the pitch to try and score a goal um, simply because I wanted to help the team win the game um, so, so from my point of view I had no idea that would be my last game at the club and um, to then drive home, or, or on the drive home, you know, I still didn't know. I didn't know for another three or four, in fact, five days that I was leaving. All I could think about was, you know, getting back for the next season and be ready to, to go again. Um, but it was great that the club managed to, to stay up in the, in the last day of the season. And, um, you know, I was happy that the club managed to secure the, their championship status. Running out of time here, Graham, but just before I let you finish off and talk about a bit about the testimonial, for me it's a surreal experience because obviously in this job you meet lots of people, you're Chris Hoyes and stuff like that, you interview them and to my point of view it's who's the best person you ever meet or you're most excited. I've, I've got to say it's, it's Chris Dillon and speaking to Arch and Ass has been a great conversation. I'll thank you once again, Chris, for taking the considerable time out to come in. I'll leave it with you, Graham, to conclude this and talk a little bit about the testimonial. So we've obviously got... The testimonial and, and 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 people say that you know you never meet your heroes, but obviously working with Chris um, or, or for Chris and 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 helping and, and getting this testimonial. So we've obviously got the game which we touched on earlier on, um, near the end of the year, um, on November the sixteenth. We have I think we're calling it the big night out. So it's not a black tie event. Um, it's in the Grand Central Hotel. It's going to be a Partick Thistle Carnival Stroke Fun Night. Um, not too stuffy. Um, music by the McDonald Brothers, um, or, uh, formerly of X Factor, um, compared by Jags fan uh, Ray Bradshaw. There'll be a lot of entertainment on the night, surprises, games. Um, it will be a fun, fun night out um, and plenty of opportunity to catch up with Chris and many others who will be there. So, yeah, get yourself along. Time and Fissel, 
summarise it? And it was just an unbelievable ten years. Um, I think I spoke about it earlier. Not a lot of people hang around a club uh, for that amount of time to score that amount of goals. Um, and you know, to, to play four hundred games, it's the kind of club that you would happily play another four hundred for. Um, simply because of what it means to you as a person, um, and it, that's the type of club it is. You know, it, it brings people in, and I spoke earlier. It, it gives people the platform to to show what they can do. And you know, I went the full way to the the Premiership, um, and and racked up an awful lot of goals, um, even in the Premiership for us. So um, it, it was just a, a brilliant ten years and um, a club that, that will always be close to my heart. And you hope to be back one day? Yeah, you never know what the future will bring. Um, of course, it's something that, like I say, when, when a club means so much to you, um, it, it's always going to be something that you would want to return to.